Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary practice issues. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP, and its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Hi, I'm Daniel Kobach, the Editor-in-Chief of AJHP. Thanks for joining us in this episode of AJHP Voices. This podcast engages authors from recent AJHP articles to give us an inside look at their work and explore the impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes. Today, we'll be discussing the 2020 ASHP National Survey of Health System Specialty Pharmacy Practice, which was recently published on AJHP.org. Our guests are Joanne Stubbings, Clinical Associate Professor Emerita at the Department of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and David Chen, Assistant Vice President for Pharmacy Leadership and Planning at ASHP. Joanne and David, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. David, I want to start with you. What drove ASHP's decision to conduct an ASHP national survey on focused on specialty pharmacy. We've published ASHP national surveys on pharmacy practice for years, but what drove the decision to conduct a a survey on specialty practice, specialty pharmacy practice specifically? What I'd like to do is actually maybe take a moment and go backwards prior to the specific decision for what really set things up. You know, specialty pharmacy has been in the industry for quite a while. And and I'll, I'll put a, a mile a mile marker around 2015 when ASHP brought a group of members to our ASHP headquarters and really started look started looking at the models that were being developed in health system based specialty pharmacies, and we developed a ASHP specialty pharmacy resource guide, and that really set us off on a trajectory as an organization, as our members were evolving and growing their practices to really pursue specialty pharmacy as a practice area and how do we better support members. And 2018, we actually had a kickoff conference really just specifically focused on health system specialty pharmacy. And then shortly after that, we initiated the section of specialty pharmacy practitioners. And it was really through the work of these members um, over the past two and a half years prior to the launch of the survey of really just getting continuous needs assessment realizing that there were questions that needed to be answered. You know, there was the rapid growth of specialty pharmacy and health systems themselves. And it was just a general knowledge that we had this really sophisticated model that was growing around integrated care. And we needed to eventually just capture the details of where we are so we could continue to improve and share best practices among pharmacy leaders across the nation. And through this, the specialty, uh, the section's executive committee started to shape the concepts. And specifically, Joanne uh, took the strengths of ASHP's decades of experience with our national surveys of pharmacy practice in hospital settings to create a roadmap to to develop the survey instrument. And so really through a lot of planning and listening to members' needs, and of course, our awesome section volunteers, we created the opportunity for the, the survey to be developed and then launched to our members. And what we found was that was all very clear and accurate needs assessment, because when you look at the results of the published paper, there was a high response rate of 53%, which really showed the thirst for information that was out there from our members to for what we could actually um, collate, collect and collate by going through this survey process. Got it. 
So Joanne, David really lays out the framework here in terms of activities that were happening in practice in at the level of ASHP to support specialty pharmacy practice over time starting back in 2015. But a persistent question that I think has existed for a number of years is exactly what is health system specialty pharmacy practice? And, and you make reference to that at numerous points throughout the article. Can you talk about that? What is health system specialty pharmacy practice? Dan, that's the million dollar question. And you are correct that pharmacy leaders and specialty pharmacy leaders have been talking about this question and defining health system specialty pharmacy for probably a decade. And we've been out there speaking and writing papers and and really making the case for health system specialty pharmacy. So when the survey came around, uh, we were able to use the results of the survey to provide a definition of health system specialty pharmacy. And the beauty of the survey is that it validated what the leaders have been saying for the past decade. And and so the definition is this, and it's one sentence. Uh, Health system specialty pharmacy is an integrated advanced practice model that incorporates specialty drug medication management across the continuum of care. And that's a lot of information in one sentence, but that incorporates uh, all of the uh, results of the survey that demonstrate the integration of the specialty pharmacy, the advanced practice model and advanced clinical services, and importantly, the efforts of the specialty pharmacy across the continuum of care. So we're we're very pleased to provide this definition and hope that people can can use this throughout in their advocacy and their research and their publications and presentations. Um, so it kind of all came together with the definition and with the survey. And I think we'll get a chance to talk about the definition a bit more as we get into some of our other discussion today. But clearly that integration across the continuum is uh, a key feature. Is that fair to say, Joanne? Correct. We'll we'll say that word many times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so David, when you looked at the demographic characteristics of the health system based specialty pharmacies that responded, and you said there was a 55% response rate. And one of the the questions that always comes up with this type of work is, well, how representative were the respondents? Um, How representative are they of what's really happening in practice? So when you look at the demographic characteristics of the the health system-based specialty pharmacy that did respond, what did you find? So I want to maybe answer the question not with specifics, because when you read the manuscript, there's a lot of demographic data. And so I'm going to maybe move it up a notch, 50,000 foot, 75,000 foot, and then I'll answer your question about how how representative is um, at the end. But when I look at the demographics, I think it, it shows me really four core characteristics that collectively the demographics describe. And and that's one that's health system specialty pharmacies are at various places of business maturity. 
Um, you know, when you look at the spreads of the years that the uh, specialty pharmacy services have been offered, as well as the size of the of the health system, specialty pharmacy are measured based on you know prescription quantity as well as revenues. The second is is that is a reflection of the environment and our healthcare across the United States, generally speaking. And when you look at the past five to six years of mergers and acquisitions in hospitals or among hospitals and health systems, uh, I think the, the characteristics are really reflective of what's happening there and the opportunity that it's allowed for hospital-based specialty pharmacy services to be established and prosper. As we know, about 70, 75% of hospitals now are part of a multi-hospital health system. And I feel that this has created the environment um, that has allowed health system specialty pharmacy to continue to grow from the early models that we saw, as Joanne mentioned, about a decade ago. The, the third that we saw in the demographics is that that you can glean is that our hospitals and health systems are a patient care site that overwhelmingly serve our nation's underserved and underinsured populations. And that this is reflected in the number of health systems, especially pharmacies that are part of 340B covered entities. And then when you look at the additional services that show up in the demographics and characteristics. And then the last, as noted and inferred from Joanne's comment in the definition of the integrated advanced practice model, is that our health systems provide comprehensive patient care that's demonstrated by the number of health systems, especially pharmacies that also dispense non-specialty medications that will really take care of the whole patient. And so there's like 20, 30 plus other demographics that are, are described in the survey res, uh, result manuscript. But I think collectively those four I'd like to offer sort of share the demographics holistically of what health system specialty pharmacies provide for our patients that's unique. And to, as to your question about does it represent specialty pharmacy across the nation, I think it does. One, as I mentioned, that everyone's there. You can look at the results and see that people are at different level, different places in the maturity of their businesses, which reflect what's happening. Um, you'll look in the demographics that there are different service levels and characteristics based on uh, prescription volumes and revenues, which I think is reflective of what's happening in the marketplace. And also is noted that a lot of the respondents are part of multi-hospital health systems, which I mentioned is what part to me, what is part of what's stimulating and helping sustain the continued growth of what's happening. And we'll get a chance to, you know, talk about this a little bit later in terms of what, how the, the findings of the survey can be used to advance practice, but it sounds like the real, that really the findings are representative of what's happening out there across the, the U.S. And Joanne, I see you nodding your head to agree to that. Right. I just wanted to add a couple of brief things, and that is that, first of all, with the demographics, we found that uh, health system specialty pharmacies are an extension of the pharmacy enterprise or an integral part of the pharmacy enterprise in that they complement and they're part of the inpatient, outpatient, uh, integrated pharmacy operations. And secondly, we found that the health system specialty pharmacies serve the patients and the employees of the systems to which they belong. So these are not necessarily national organizations. They're serving the patients of the health system and they're serving the employees of the health system. And so we found that they are uh, typically local or regional in their reach. 
And this is a real key differentiator now, isn't it, in terms of the types of specialty pharmacy services that a patient can receive? Yes, and I'll use the word integrated again, because what that means is that when you're serving your patients and and the providers that care for these patients, then you have the opportunity to be fully integrated into that care team via the electronic health record and, and via all the services that are provided for that patient. Now, Joanne, one of the things that you paid particular attention to in uh, the survey, both including it uh, as a question and then uh, also in the the results and the discussion was access to limited distribution drugs. And why is this so important? Why was there so much attention paid to this issue in the survey? Limited distribution drugs are kind of a challenge for health system specialty pharmacies because many of these drugs that were approved in the past five years or so uh, are drugs that were that have their clinical trials in the health systems. So we have experience with those drugs in managing the clinical trials, but then when the drug is launched, if it becomes a limited distribution drug, that means that that drug that you gave to patients during clinical trials, uh, the health system no longer has access to it because the comp- the manufacturer determined, determined that it was going to be distribution that was limited to either one or a very select number of specialty pharmacies. And so having that access kind of c- cut off once the drug is FDA approved was uh, becomes a challenge to health systems and it's very confusing to patients. It's really confusing to providers and it's a challenge to then have to manage the patients who are uh, being prescribed that drug uh, via a carve out specialty pharmacy. I, I believe that the manufacturers uh, have reasons for determining limited distribution, and sometimes those reasons are linked to REMS. Uh, so it could be an outgrowth of REMS because uh, the manufacturers will point out, well, this is a complex drug. It has a REMS. It has uh, special patient care issues. But I would argue that those are all reasons why the limited the drug should be uh available through the health system, because what we've shown in the evolution of the health system specialty pharmacy, and also in the survey, is that the health systems uh, are doing the advanced services that are need needed for these uh, complex drugs. Uh, they're providing uh, fast access, they're providing better patient outcomes, uh, they're providing all the control that the manufacturers really do want and need uh, with these drugs that are high complexity. So I would argue that the reasons for limited distribution are now the reasons for a drug to be fully accessible to specialty, uh, health system specialty pharmacies. David, this plays into another issue that was addressed uh, in the survey, the issue of brown bagging and white bagging and clear bagging, right? This, this, there's a relationship here between these two issues. There is a relationship. And I guess maybe I'll hit the white bagging, brown bagging and clear bagging more directly because it's, it's a very specific uh, payer mandated benefit design that is affecting health systems and health system specialty pharmacies are part of the solution 
for those patients being served or, or being provided infusion services in the hospital uh, ambulatory care clinics and physician offices. So can you first start, just define for us, because we hear these terms a lot, but I'm not sure that everyone has completely committed the, them to their memories and has a clear understanding of them. Just walk through for us, first of all, brown bagging, white bagging, and clear bagging. What are the differences? Oh, great. So brown bagging is a situation where there's a patient-specific specialty medication that's being delivered by an offsite payer mandated pharmacy directly to the patient. And then the patient is required to bring that to the provider for infusion, oftentimes also requiring preparation by the pharmacy site and the, and the location uh, providing the infusion. White bagging is, is slightly different where there's a payer mandated uh, pharmacy sending the medication directly to the provider um, bypassing the patient so you don't have all the risks of a patient leaving it in unsecure scenarios, um, in uncontrolled temperature settings like a car, but it still introduces a lot of risk points in the process, as well as just a lot of complication that adds risk to the patient management process itself. And so that's why it's called white bagging to sort of uh, represent the notion that it's being packaged in a white bag and being delivered to the provider site. Whereas clear bagging is uh, used to describe when a health system specialty pharmacy um, provides the medication from their own specialty pharmacy, uh, which is permissible under DSCSA, and ensures the security of the product, the integrity of the product. And then as Joanne just mentioned, the communication among providers for timely changes in treatment, as well as timely management of benefits and to ensure that the medications handle the most safe and secure way possible. And so what questions did you ask in the survey related to the, uh, the use of brown bagging, white bagging, clear bagging, and, and what did you find? So for the survey purposes, it was really an opportunity to assess the environment. We didn't go deep into policy, the, the decisions behind policy decisions as to whether organizations permitted brown bagging or white bagging or clear bagging. It was more of a measure of what was happening. And as, and as I mentioned just a moment ago, it was also to help capture the data because we know health system specialty pharmacies are, are part of the solution to address this risk that payer mandated policies are introducing into this medication use process. And I, and I use medication use process on purpose because it's not just a pharmacy to pharmacy or pharmacy to infusion site issue that affects the pharmacy personnel and the pharmacy department. It affects the physicians and what they need to do to get orders uh, fulfilled for their patients when they're writing, making treatment decisions. It affects the nurses taking care of the patients and trying to time visits, as well as the pharmacy supply chain and the pharmacists taking care of the patients. And so what we found is that, as, as surmised from the, the way they're defined, is that very few organizations, and, and this is dropping precipitously, allow any sort of brown bagging. That's the highest risk. And then in the middle, we still have a lot of organizations that allow white bagging because we're still trying to navigate how to best resolve that payer-mandated relationship and a lot of the advocacy that ASHP is doing to demonstrate and to bring it to light 
both to our providers, to other associations, what we already know as pharmacy, that this introduces a lot of risk points. It takes a process that is should be quite simple, a number of steps, and very timely to patient care decisions to one that introduces dozens of steps, misdirected drug. And then a growing number in many health systems, especially pharmacy in the survey, over 80%, do support their systems with clear bagging, which still requires the ability to get into the pair network to be able to provide this service because it's right now based in the environment we're working in, the best way to mitigate the risks that the payer policies are introducing because as noted, we can secure the supply chain. It's within the health system itself and the communication between providers is much clearer, cleaner, and can happen happen in a much more timely basis for these high-risk patients. Joanne, what would you add on? I imagine that both from your review of the survey findings as well as your experiences in practice leading the specialty pharmacy program when you did at UIC, that you've, you have some perspectives on this topic as well. Right. We found in the survey that the results of this survey were consistent with the results of the pharmacy practice survey that uh, is conducted periodically for inpatient and outpatient operations from a- with ASHP. So we found a good level of consistency. Uh, the trend is toward um, fewer hospitals approving white bagging and more hospitals having clear bagging. And I would add that from a practice perspective that you you would expect a natural transition from white bagging to clear bagging, and that would really support this integrated model that we're discussing. But the challenge with that is that those are not always options that are available to the health system. So for example, white bagging may be the only choice. Uh, The hospital may not be uh, in the payer network in order to be able to clear bags. So they they have to white bag. So the hospital doesn't want to, to white bag for the reasons that David described. But on the other hand, they want to manage the patient in an integrated manner and very carefully. So sometimes they're even forced to white bag the product, even though they don't want to. So that's an unfortunate situation that I think many health systems find themselves in. Let's shift gears here a bit, and and to some degree, because Joanne, you just talked about managing the patient in an in an integrated fashion and or an integrated manner, and and you've made reference uh, already today to the and defined the health system uh, uh, specialty pharmacy practice model. Can you talk about what you found from the survey results in terms of pharmacist activities in providing specialty pharmacy services? How are they spending their time? What is it that they're doing as part of that integrated approach to care? Oh, thank you, Dan. That's a great question. Uh, the the really interesting thing that we found in the survey was the ratio of pharmacists to technicians in spe- health system specialty pharmacy. And we found that that ratio was nearly one to one. So for every technician that we have, we have a pharmacist in specialty pharmacy, which uh, I, I don't have a comparator. So I don't know what the, what the ratios are, but I suspect in 
some of the um, you know mail order facilities, they have a much higher ratio of technicians to pharmacists. But the health system specialty pharmacy model is clinically dominant. It's a clinical practice model. So uh, we, we deploy clinical pharmacists, not just to the call center and to operations, but actually to the clinics. And they are typically embedded in all specialty clinics. So what that means is that the survey found that the activities that the pharmacists perform uh, uh, mostly are clinical. Uh, clinical, and they t- can be uh, therapy review, patient education, but they can also be advanced clinical activities under protocol or under collaborative practice agreements. So they can be involved in treatment decisions before the drug is prescribed. They can be actually prescribing medications. They can be coordinating care. They can be ordering serum labs. And so a lot of, they can be administering vaccinations. Uh, They're doing a lot of comprehensive care of the patient. On the other hand, the technicians doing functions that are related to fulfillment, distribution, uh, patient access, patient engagement, problem solving, and and things like that. So very strong uh, functions. Both are completely critical, uh, but the pharmacist tends to focus obviously much more on the clinical activities. And there is pharmacist engagement uh, in the, if you think about the traditional phases of the, or uh, stages of the medication use process, the the monitoring phase, uh, further down the line, those pharmacists continue to be engaged and actually available to the patient uh, through call centers, for example, right? Correct. The pharmacist is involved in the call center. So the pharmacist is has oversight of the entire medication use process. Uh, so they are responsible for that. And uh, the technician may do some of the outreach and may do some, uh, you know, preliminary engagement with the with the patient. But then if there's any kind of problem or escalation that needs to be addressed, that immediately goes to the pharmacist. So the pharmacist is involved throughout the medication use process. I'd also point out that when the patient comes back to the clinic, they'll often engage with the pharmacist. So not just the other providers in the clinic, but since the pharmacist is part of the team, they'll actually see the patient during their clinic visit and be able to have some uh, uh, targeted conversations with the patient about their medications. Got it. Got it. So, so David, when when you take a step back and uh, take an overall look at the findings of the survey, what are the top two or three things that strike you um, as most significant? Yeah, Dan, well, I'm going to bump that up to four, but I'll <laughs> open the fourth and let Joanne expand on, on the fourth that I'll mention. Okay. Um, to me, the significant findings included opportunity, patient outcomes focus, our workforce, and then this integrated advanced practice model that Joanne has already described. And when you look at the findings in their totality, and when you look at it in the context of the the conversations that I hear members having and the information that we provide in education at ASHP meetings and all the things that the section does, is that in the opportunity, there's 
clearly there's growth around pursuing health, the health system employee base and how health systems manage their their own total healthcare costs. Expanding just a simple number of patients served when you look at the different demographics between you know the the early startup uh, specialty pharmacies and those that have been in, in business for a number of years more. And then also pursuing new patient populations and additional therapeutic categories. But I also think there's opportunity for growth to continue to grow. The clinical services that are provided by our pharmacists that are working in the specialty pharmacy um, uh, spaces within our health systems and integrated as Joanne's explained. And then there's the opportunity for growth around just to continue to identify and to share the best practices that sort of bubble up from the results from the survey. Um, you can see that in the demographics and the results that there's still differences uh, on how organizations operate. And I think sharing that's going to just make us stronger. The second uh, significant finding for me are just having a patient outcomes focus. You know, one thing that's clear is that health systems, especially pharmacies, are committed to measuring and improving the outcomes of our patients above and beyond the basic requirements for accreditation. And you know, how do we continue to do that? And but on the flip side is we still recognize there's a need for standardization and harmonization among hospitals and health systems, especially pharmacies, which is a key focus that came out of the summit that ASHP just recently had too on the future directions for health system specialty pharmacy. And then the third is our workforce. You know, we have a well-trained workforce that have excellent clinical training. Our pharmacists, our technician, our support staff that work in our health system-based specialty pharmacy. And there's also commitment to training the future workforce that I think is a very unique characteristic that we have within health systems that actually benefits the whole industry. You know, and, and then the last significant finding for me is this integrated advanced practice model that really holistically the whole survey describes. And at this point, I'll turn it over to Joanne because uh, she'll much, do a much better job of describing uh, than I will this, this portion of the significant findings. David, I think you did an amazing job summarizing it, and I, I wish I could have been even more succinct in the public in the manuscript, but uh, we, we found so many interesting things, and I did want to um, emphasize what you mentioned about training, because that was probably the most, one of the most exciting findings from the survey for me, and that is that 86% of the respondents stated that their specialty pharmacy is involved in some level of training of pharmacists. So, so essentially, we are training the next generation of specialty pharmacists. And this is not just in, you know, APIs, but it starts with IPIs, the introductory uh, pharmacy practice experience in, among pharmacy students, the APIs, the, the rotation experiences and during the last year of pharmacy school, residency rotations, because a lot of PGY1 residents are demanding experience in the specialty pharmacy. And then finally, we're seeing a growing number of specialty pharmacies having uh, one or more one year or two year specialty pharmacy residencies. So I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, and these special this this is filling a demand for pharmacists and they're being very well trained and they want to work in health systems so i envision the health system model growing and i think that uh there are some tremendous opportunities that we found and that were um, defined in the survey such as uh the the growth from serving new populations and new therapeutic categories 
And also the respondents pointed out the opportunity for direct contracting because there is a challenge with uh, payer networks and they identified that as the number one challenge actually facing specialty pharmacies that uh, payer contracts is, is a challenge. And there's a concern that we may be able to access fewer networks, not more. And so one opportunity to overcome that would be to engage in direct contracts with regional or local employers um, or, uh, you know, direct contracting even with manufacturers for limited for drugs that are limited distribution. So so I think there's uh, kind of, you know, some concerns, but also some some great opportunities and bright sides. Health systems are also looking at opportunities for patient engagement, um, new digital and telehealth opportunities. And they're also looking at opportunities for biosimilars. And then I would remit, be remiss if I didn't point out another really important finding from the survey, and that is that um, just kind of to go more on this point of integration, 100% of our respondents stated that they had access to the electronic health record. That is extremely powerful because, I mean, I can say we're integrated, but when I say that they've got full access to the electronic health record, that means that the pharmacist and the technician can know real time what's happening with that patient, where they are, um, when the, the medication is being filled. And, and this is a, a very powerful tool that the specialty pharmacies have. Joanne, you and David have both uh, talked a lot about the, the opportunities as well as where some of the challenges are. So with that in mind, with those opportunities, those challenges in mind, what's your guidance for readers of this article in terms of the way they can use it, how they can use the survey findings to, to respond to those opportunities and challenges and advance specialty pharmacy practice in their organizations? I think there are a few ways that we can use the findings of the survey. And the first would be in training. And I think that when pharmacists and technicians and students are onboarded into the specialty pharmacy, I would hope that this publication would be part of their training because so many times a student comes in and says, I don't know what specialty pharmacy is. Can you explain it to me? And so it would be really beneficial to just give them the publication have them read it, have them maybe do a journal club or some kind of presentation of the findings. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for discussion and question and answer. And so number one, I would use it for training. Uh, number two, I would, as a specialty pharmacy, I would focus on the metrics section because we identified, I think, 46 different metrics that the health system specialty pharmacies are measuring. And not that this is really a reference or a baseline, but it would be a really great place for a specialty pharmacy to look at the metrics that are being measured and see how they compare. Uh, but the third thing, which is 
probably the most important is to use the findings of the survey as, as we continue to advocate for our practice model. So advocacy is all different levels. It can be within the health system with your providers. It can be locally with employers or it, with your pharmacy organizations or with your political organizations, and it can be nationally. And we have the story that we're telling. And I think that the findings of the survey provide the valid data that can be used for advocacy. And I think in closing, what I'd like to say is that it's our job to define our practice model. And we should not, even though the, the payer-owned specialty pharmacies obviously have the largest market share, they define specialty pharmacy as a business model. In contrast, we define specialty pharmacy, health system specialty pharmacy as a practice model with services that we provide for patients. And so I think the, the results of this survey help us to define our practice model and provide the advocacy that we need to demonstrate our role in, in this specialty pharmacy space. That's all the time we have today. I want to thank Joanne Stubbings and David Chen for joining us to discuss the 2020 ASHP National Survey of Health System Specialty Pharmacy Practice, which was recently published on HHP.org. Please join us here each month for discussions on contemporary pharmacy practice issues and interviews with HHP authors. David, Joanne, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to AJHP Voices. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit AJHP.org.